I have a very dramatic announcement. So anyone with a weak heart should leave now. Unreal. Revolution. Revolution. Uncensored. Revolution. Revolution. Unfiltered. Revolution. Unchanged. Revolution. Unadulterated. Revolution. Unbelievable. CliffCentral.com. Revolution. 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 I am excited. I have a dream. I have a vision. You are listening to the voice of Professor David Block. And joining me in studio today is Duncan, the sound engineer who interacts with me as we look up and dream big. Today we'll be discussing Life on Other Worlds Part 2. Last week was Life on Mars. We'll continue with that um, uh, central theme, Life on Mars. And then I want you to join my magic spaceship as we start traveling uh, to more distant uh, worlds. Not only Mars, but planets orbiting other stars. And we'll be looking at life possible life forms around those stars. So this really follows on as a natural sequence from Life on Mars Part 1, and I'll be adding my personal thoughts to that before exploring the grander themes of life elsewhere in the starry vaults above. Professor David Block, uh, my... Uh, Contact details are as follows. In studio, 0861-555-189, 0861-555-189. Twitter at CliffCentral.com, Facebook CliffCentral, WeChat ID CliffCentral. And that certainly is the most favorite route uh, to go. Uh, and please feel free to reach us in, in on any one of those uh, media. So, the topic today is uh, a sort of ET experience, but first let's just recap as to what we actually discovered with regard to um, water on Mars, and Duncan will be googling something called Hale Crater, H-A-L-E, you can do it yourselves please, Crater on Mars, and water flowing down the slopes of Hale Crater on uh, Mars. Now, I have been privy to some of the most remarkable imagery on the uh, planet of Mars. Let us firstly recall this. We have landed on Mars many, many times. When I say we, I mean NASA. And when I say we, I'm excluding human beings. I'm speaking about robotic spacecraft, such as Spirit, such as Opportunity, such as Curiosity. Now, also... I urge you to Google Curiosity and Mars, and you'll see some of the most stunning images. Now, what is Curiosity? Curiosity is a robot, and this robot is busy traversing the landscape of Mars. In other words, it's like a taxi, a remote taxi, except, Duncan, it never gets a traffic fine. And the reason is that it never gets a traffic fine is, why, Duncan, there are no... Traffic officers on the planet Mars. So but there's a lot goes, of potholes. 
<laughs> well, that's really neat. Yeah, there's certainly a lot of a lot of potholes. So uh, maybe they're living on the Gauteng budget. But um, <laughs> that is quite right. Lots of pot, lots in fact, lots of potholes, zillions of them on Mars. Um, so ideal for taxis here to go there. Rather, I think we should export them, Duncan. How about that? No. We just take all the taxis and say, guys, off to Mars you go. You charge whatever rates you wanna. And life is chilled on Mars. So there's curiosity, and it's, you know, curiosity in its own right. A robotic mission on Mars is sending back the most incredible images. I think they are amazing. You know, if you think of perhaps taking a picture of your girlfriend or boyfriend on the beach, it may not be a very sharp picture. It may be rather fuzzy. And here we're getting the most incredible images. Uh, For example, Mount Sharp on uh, Mars and Duncan's brought up um, some images seen from 10Ks but we're going to actually go right down and look at them uh, right down to Mount Sharp on the planet Mars so here I have an image in front of me yes Duncan's bringing up beautiful black and white image so what do I see? first of all I see a very rugged terrain I see a terrain filled with rocks well that's very neat because that means somehow the geology might be a wee bit similar to the geology on earth then I see uh, certain dust trails and uh, that's terribly important dust in fact when you look up at the night skies if mars is visible it has a very very rich uh, reddish color now duncan if you're at the beach for example as you know if you go to your doorknob uh the, your door handle and you haven't uh, you haven't touched it with any varnish or any uh material for about a year do you agree with me it'll look very orange Mm, that, that corrosion. That's right. It'll have corroded. There'll be vast amounts of corrosion. And in fact, this is one of the downsides of owning a residence uh, at the coast is you have to keep on uh, a real um, refurbishing process because there is continual erosion uh, dust uh, will settle in very hefty layers as it does in the Namibian desert and in some of the homes north of Swakopmund you see the effects of corrosion and of dust and of course being a professor of cosmic dust I'm very au fait, very familiar with that stuff, I love it, people like to get a uh, little uh, you know, they're sweeping their brooms out and sweep it away, but I just love cosmic dust. Now, on the image Duncan's showing me, I see dust everywhere. I see a drill. Now, that's very interesting. Uh, Curiosity does have uh, equipment to probe the uh, Martian terrain, much like, I suppose, Duncan, a doctor might probe your throat. Have you ever gone to a GP, perhaps, Duncan? And what does he do when you have a sore throat? He does stick something down my throat. <laughs> he sticks something down the throat. Of course, you don't know what he sticks down. You just hope it comes up again. Yeah. But the important thing with Mars is that we also do probing. So that's what they call me, Duncan, a professor of stellar obstetrics and gynecology, because I do a tremendous amount of probing. 
uh, to try and understand what lies, for example, behind the interiors of dusty curtains around uh, primeval stars. So here we see Mars, we see rocks, we see drills. And in fact, when you start drilling down, there are telltale signs of water. But what is interesting about the latest find is that if you look at images of the Hale Crater and the slopes of the Hale Crater, you'll see that there's actually been water flowing down the slopes. But not only flowing down in the past tense, but flowing down now. And that is really the exciting part, is that to link up from last week, the Mars Reconnaissance Orbiter, we actually looked at um, water flowing down the slopes of Mars. And that is an incredible, that is, uh, you know, that's why I was so excited last week because, and so excited today because that takes one to the real cutting edge. I mean, let's, let's, let's just take it like this. If you had to rate, rate which sport event perhaps was most significant, Duncan, in the last three years of your life or four years or five years, I don't want to put you on the spot, but which would be one of the highlights at least? Uh, I think the World Cup. The World Cup. Now, why? Because it captures your imagination. What were the emotions, Duncan, which you felt uh, as, um, for example, Ronaldo would score his magical goals? Well, I, I would just be happy for him, you know, uh, ecstasy, like, yay, celebration. Absolutely. So there's a, there's a spirit of joie de vivre. There's a spirit of life. There's a spirit of expectancy. There's a vibrant spirit of hope. There's a spirit of exploration. There's a spirit of unfolding and mystery and just grandeur and splendor at the physique and the way the brain can coordinate itself to score the goal. Well, that's why we are so excited about this finding on NASA. In fact, it has been featured everywhere. I mean, I was astounded. What do they call this, Duncan, on Google? The doodle. Google booble. Uh, the booble. All right. So there was a booble. I don't know what this is, folks, but I know technology, and Duncan uh, certainly will bring it up. But if you looked at the O in Google, it was red last week, and the guy was drinking a straw. And uh, Gareth's come up with a very neat idea that they should have me with my heads in the clouds and with a little watering can. So we're working on that one. But that was certainly uh, an amazing... The event was of such significance that the doodle on Google was Mars. So I think that that is just... uh, I mean, that just shows you. And in fact, uh, NASA called a... uh, You know, uh, NASA itself called a major press release, uh, a press briefing rather, uh, where there was a major press release. And here we are, right on the screen, uh, it says evidence for life on Mars, for water on Mars, and there we go, G-O, and then there's the little guy blinking some and drinking his straw, and it could be a herd, Duncan. Um, I have to be very politically correct, but Google has decided to celebrate them. I'm very glad my wife doesn't look like this um, with craters on her head, Duncan. Um, I think that would be terribly sad if I embraced my wife and she had uh, craters on her head. But anyway, that's the best Google could do in its doodle. And that is the magnitude 
of the event I'm talking about. I mean, I'm talking about mega stuff. I'm talking about sta- stuff NASA called a uh, international press briefing. I'm call. I'm speaking about stuff today, which has been featured everywhere, everywhere on every major television from the BBC to CNN and so forth. Now, the excitement, of course, doesn't necessarily mean uh, that there's another. Uh, Gareth or Rena or Duncan there. But the point is this, is that we've discovered water flowing down the surface of uh, Professor. Mars. Yes, Duncan. Is this water drinkable? Uh, that's a very, very interesting question. It depends on the kind of drink you like. Now, if you are asking me for a glass of nice, fresh water, Duncan, then the answer is no. But if you want to drink water from the sea, nice, salty, salty water, Mm. you know what I mean, to clean out the tummy and throw up afterwards, then I can give you a sample of Martian water. Now, that's very interesting. Is this water drinkable? It's really very, very salty. It's... This was the point about it, Duncan, is um, in technical terms, we speak about of it, it as hydrated salts. In other words, salt mixed with water. So it's very, very salty. It's not the kind of water you and I would really chill on. Um, it's a kind of water, I suppose, in a sense, you would swallow if you're uh, swimming at the beach. But, <laughs> but... The important thing is, whenever astronomers discover water, they inevitably think about life. Now, I would go as far as saying that I would be very surprised if life existed on Mars today. Any life more sophisticated, Duncan, than very primitive prebiotic cells. Um, nothing. I would never, ever, ever expect us to find another human being there because the um, the conditions are simply not right. So you're saying that you would find microscopic life? I believe that in time, uh, that is true. I believe that in time, uh, once we've found hydrated salts and water flowing, it is certainly possible that there might be very, very primitive uh, cell-like forms on Mars. That I would never exclude. But it takes a grand extrapolation, Duncan, to go from there to another Duncan. That's a whole different scenario. Uh, but the point really is, is without water, at least as far as we understand it, you cannot have life whatsoever. As least as far as I've emphasized, as far as we can understand it. So, why have we not gone there? Well, to pick up from last week, the problem is not technology. You know, I am amazed, Duncan, that I can be at a latitude near the North Pole. I've been there. You remember photographing the aurora? Oh, yeah. And I was at 70 degrees north. I was only 20 degrees away from the North Pole. And I could WhatsApp you. I could send you pictures. I mean, do you remember the interactions we had? I I, I certainly do, Professor. That's right. And it was just so stunning. I mean, there I'm 20 degrees from the North Pole. And I can, you know, uh, send WhatsApps to my wife. I can send WhatsApps to Duncan. It was an amazing experience for me. I mean, that's the level of technology today. But, and here's the crunch. Do you want to be in a spacecraft, you know, with not much space to move? 
for a period of a couple of years. Now that's only to getting that's only getting to Mars and back. When we look at our second closest star, now the closest star to the Earth is of course the Sun, but when we look at our second closest star, Proxima Centauri, Duncan, if you were to travel at the speed of light, now I don't know, but is it true that someone was caught yesterday traveling at 207 kilometers an hour? <laughs> I, didn't, I, I didn't hear that, Professor. Okay, well, I heard that. Um, I don't want to mention names, but it is in the papers today, and whether it's true or not, I don't know. But that speed sounds high, but it's actually minuscule compared to speeds in astronomy. Uh, light, oh, that's a beautiful picture. Mo, um, oh, that is just, that is, well, there you go. I mean, you know, I think Duncan needs to be called a professor because he's brought up the psychology of isolation, uh, confinement and 24 hour big brother. Now that is it. Uh, and the byline is equally riveting. Those sent to live and die. Uh, face on the red planet face untold risk of mental illness now just listen to this those sent to live and die on mars face untold risk of mental illness and that is i could not do a better job than the guardian has in summing that up i mean i think that that website is something you must store for me duncan i want to study this it's really just so so Awesome. So, uh, Mars, the psychology of isolation. Now, as you know, one of the features used in the apartheid regime to try and really derange you, in a sense, unsettle the mind, was confinement and solitary isolation. And I, in fact, uh, remember those days when beloved Madiba and others uh, suffered immensely so under the severest forms of isolation. Now, there are not many of us who could ever even begin to think of being in a cell like Nelson Mandela was for, you know, over 20 years. Now, I didn't want to go down that line. It's a road which has very well been documented before. But what I do want to go down is this road, isolation for periods of your lifetime. Now, let's think of our second closest star, Proxima Centauri. If you had to boost your rocket engines, Drunken, to 300,000 kilometers per second, 300,000, not kilometers per hour, 300,000 kilometers per second. If you were to speed up your car, speed up your rocket, not to 200 kilometers per hour, not to 300 kilometers per hour, but to 300,000 kilometers per second, 300,000 kilometers per second, then, and only then, would you be traveling at the speed of light. And at the speed of light, traveling at 300,000 kilometers per second, it would take you four years there, Duncan, and four years back at the speed of light. Would it feel like four years, though, Professor? Oh, that is awesome. Mm. Would it feel like four years? Well, the answer is, of course, no. Uh, time actually starts slowing down. It's this mm. famous paradox called the twin paradox. So um, with regard to an observer on Earth, 
your clock would tick slower and slower and slower and slower. It's called the twin paradox. It's you know, something developed after Einstein proposed his theories of special relativity and so forth. And so um, to you it would seem like eight years, but actually if you were on Earth and watching the event, it would be a long, much, 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 much longer depending on what speed you're actually traveling. So uh, Duncan's pulled this up right now, the twin paradox. So in physics, the twin paradox is a thought experiment. They are in special relativity involving identical twins. One stays behind on Earth. The other goes into a journey in space and you compare clocks. And when that one twin comes back again, it's uh, a lot, lot uh, younger than the other one or older, depending on your frame of reference. But the idea is that uh, you will have aged more slowly. The one twin will have aged more slowly compared to the other one because of the rate at which your clock actually ticks. So it's called the twin paradox. So, Professor, to understand that correctly, yes. if you were to go to Mars now, yes. you'd come back much younger. Uh, no, because we're not traveling near the speed of light. You've got to be traveling here at very high speeds. It's a thought experiment in special relativity. And special relativity, for special relativity to hold, we're looking at particles traveling very close to the speed of light. Mm. So, that's the real point here, folks, is if we could travel near the speed of light at 300,000 kilometers a second, it would take us eight years. But we can't even travel at a fraction. I mean, look, the fines today, you're going at 120, <laughs> 200 kilometers per, per hour is regarded as stuff for which you get locked up. Now, now we're not going at 300,000 kilometers a second but we're going at a fraction of that. I mean, we a, a absolute minute fraction. So the point about this is as follows. We're facing the following. We're facing Duncan confinement and we're facing isolation. Now, if you put those together, isolation and solitary confinement, not every person's mind remains stable. And that is the crucial point. Uh, there's other things too. Uh, there's a loss of uh, privacy, which I think is terribly, terribly important. I mean, imagine this. Uh, it's just disappeared, but it's coming back again. Imagine this. Stress, fatigue, depression, anxiety. Now, the point is, Duncan, what would you do? I mean, let's suppose you and I were doing this together to Mars. Suppose you got anxious and you wanted to out. Suppose you, you know, there was a, there's a mental illness setting in and you got anxious. I mean, su suppose I was the person, let's put it that way. Suppose Professor Block was getting anxious in this little imaginary thought experiment on his um, uh, imaginary spaceship with Duncan um, going to Mars. I mean, what do you do with me, Duncan? I strangle you to death, Professor. Well, that's right. You'd throw me out. <laughs> and that's right. I mean, so the point is, you know, suppose it's the um, Gareth Cliff crew. And so we've got Rena and Gareth and um, and so forth. Then uh, who do we throw out first? 
I mean, do we throw John out first? <laughs> I mean, who do we actually throw out? Maybe Sia for his love of parties. He'll find a party somewhere else on the planet Mars. I do not know. But the question is, if we are crew, like I just love being with a crew here, who do we throw out first? Now, the point is, you can never tell who will become the most stressed until you're in the craft. And that's the point. You can never tell who will become the most fatigued or the most depressed or the most anxious. None of us. I mean, I do not know how I would behave if I've got Big Brother for a year. I just don't know. I just don't know. I mean, it's literally Big Brother. It's literally they are monitoring your heart rate. They're monitoring your pulse rate. They're monitoring brain activity. They're monitoring when you go to the loo. They're monitoring when you come out. They're monitoring... Every one of your vital signs is being tapped 24-7. You can't even kiss someone on the crew without your pulse rate perhaps zooming up. And, you know, on earth they're saying, wow, that was a wee little private kiss. But to Big Brother, nothing is private. Now, the point really is, is this. Duncan, what do you think? I mean, it's not technology which is the problem here, but it's a lack of privacy. How would you feel, Duncan, uh, being uh, monitored every single moment of every single minute of every single day of every single hour of every single second? Would you cope with it? I just don't know. I think, Professor, coming into the agreement of being sent to space, I would have mm. to accept that I'm about to become property. And so as soon as I accept, wow. as soon wow. as I accept that I, I am someone's well. property or NASA's property, well. it shouldn't bother me. Well, 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 the interesting, I mean, that, that's an incredible thought, folks, is that, you know, Duncan's just saying it's a question of being somebody's property. But then my question is, does David Block want to be NASA's robot? Because in a sense, I am their robot then. I belong to them. Mm. I chill with them. But I'm not myself anymore in the sense that I have to do what they want me to do 24-7. Now, I don't know about yourself, but myself, I need time to walk. I need time to look up at the night skies. I need time to think. I need time to be with my wife. I need time to be with my family. I need time to be here on Cliff Central. I need time. And the point about being NASA's robot is the time is no longer your own. And that is where the problem lies, is uh, the most worrying concern is that uh, of mental health. Now, here's the rub, is that if one starts suffering from some severe anxiety, you cannot come home. Mm. That's the rub. And if you're suffering from severe stress, you know, if you are stressed, Duncan, where do you go? To my bed. You go to your bed, right. Now, imagine if the bed is, you cooped up in this little rocket and you want to chill and you've got all these things, all these monitors on you. You can't relax. You can't be yourself. You can't go out. So are there people who can cope with these, you know, loss of privacy, stress, fatigue, depression, anxiety, uh, onset of mental illness? Well, let me give you an example. I had lunch a little while ago with an astronaut, and he, this astronaut's name was um, uh, Steve Hoffman. Now, the inter uh, Jeff Ho uh, astronaut Hoffman. Now, the interesting thing about astronaut Hoffman was that um, 
When he ate his steak in front of me, he ate like a robot, Duncan. His jaw moved up and down. You could actually time the seconds in which he, uh, you know what I mean? So the point is, that's the sort of person I think we could send to Mars, uh, like astronaut often is, you know, what are the psychological tra- challenges one needs? What would one miss? What does one need? Now, human beings are made in such a way that we need to connect. I think you see that no better than with the social media today. I mean, why is it that we love our phones so much? What's this voice recognizer on these phones? What's it called? Siri or? Yeah, Siri. Oh, Siri. Okay. So my son showed me that I can say to Siri, how are you feeling today? And Siri will answer, I'm fine, Prof. How about you? (laughs) And that's just a little voice activator called Siri. But the point is, What sort of person do you need? Well, you and I have the need to connect. We have the need to touch. We have the need to be. We have the need to be one with another. So, I'm going to ask Duncan to play something which resonates so deeply with what I'm saying is there are some listeners today perhaps who do have a dream. And their dream is perhaps to go down in history as the first human being to go to Mars and to come back. Maybe that is their dream. And so I just imagine that magical moment when Martin Luther King Jr. uh, penned or spoke. It became one of the most quoted uh, speeches in the entire regime of human existence. I have a dream, and I'm going to ask Duncan now if we could listen. Even though we face the difficulties of today and tomorrow, I still have a dream. It is a dream deeply rooted in the American dream. I have a dream that one day This nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. I have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia, sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream that one day even the state of Mississippi, a state sweltering with the heat of injustice, sweltering with the heat of oppression, will be transformed into an oasis of freedom and justice. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. I have a dream that one day Down in Alabama with its vicious racists, with its governor 
having his lips dripping with the words of interposition and nullification. One day right there in Alabama, little black boys and black girls will be able to join hands with little white boys and white girls as sisters and brothers. I have a dream today. I have a dream that one day every valley shall be exalted. Every hill and mountain shall be made low, the rough places will be made plain, and the crooked places will be made straight, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. This is our hope. This is a faith that I go back to the South with. With this faith, we will be able to hew out of the mountain of despair a stone of hope. With this faith, we will be able to transform the jangling discords of our nation into a beautiful symphony of brotherhood. With this faith, we will be able to work together, to pray together, to struggle together, to go to jail together, to stand up for freedom together, knowing that we will be free one day. This will be the day, this will be the day with all of God's children be able to sing with new meaning my country tears of thee sweet land of liberty of thee i sing land where my fathers died land of the pilgrims pride from every mountainside let freedom ring and if america is to be a great nation this must become true and so let freedom ring from the prodigious hilltops of new hampshire let freedom ring from the mighty mountains of New York. Let freedom ring from the heightening Alleghenies of Pennsylvania. Let freedom ring from the snow-capped Rockies of Colorado. Let freedom ring from the curvaceous slopes of California. But not only that... Wow, I have a dream. And of course, that dream resonates today as Martin Luther King Jr.'s dream was to see mankind united, young white boys holding the hands of young black children black girls black girls no, absolutely so oh i think it's just so and we've and the privilege is duncan that you and i've lived through that i think that's just so mm-hmm. amazing is that the man who welcomed me to his home several times nelson mandela is the man who held my hand and i can never thank him enough even in his legacy for honoring me the way he did by naming our twin boys and embracing and caring and loving in a way which I just cannot forget. And that was really the enactment of Martin Luther King's Jr.'s dream, but in our beloved country, South Africa. Now, why did we play that? Well, I also have a dream, and many people might have a dream, and their dreams, your dreams, might be to actually to travel to the planet Mars. But... um. Duncan, how do you pronounce the first name of the caller here? Sebeko. Sebeko, yeah. So what does that mean, Duncan? Sebeko. 
Is there I, any meaning to Sebeko? I'd love to get back to you. Okay, please. he'll get back to me. I'm mm. sorry. All I know is our twins were named Nkunquezi and Ketile by Nelson Mandela. Nkunquezi means star. And Ketile, I do know, means the chosen one. But I'm not sure. Yeah, it's Se- true. Sebeko, if you want to tell me the name, the meaning of your name, please just WeChat it to me. But he's got a brilliant question here today. And Sebeko writes, Prof, do you think – now, this is nice – Prof, do you think that if aliens were found, white people would still treat black people like third-class citizens? Or would aliens unite us like Martin Luther King Jr. uh, imagined? Well, here are the considered thoughts of the prof on that brilliant question. To unite a person with another person really doesn't really matter uh, whether there's an alien in your home or not. I mean, I don't know how I'd feel if suddenly an alien were to sit in my lounge. Duncan, how would you feel if you were chilling with your girlfriend, say, and uh, someone really fuzzy and gooey um, and sticky sat down and he couldn't speak your language and he didn't look like you and he didn't think like you and he didn't walk like you. He was like a typical alien we imagine looks. Um, what would you do, Duncan? I, I don't know. What would I do? What should I do, Professor? Well, that's right. You need to ask the professor and he's thinking too, what should he do? <laughs> um, look, the point is this. If an alien were to, you know, sit in my lounge for a second, I think I suppose one would try and communicate in a sense. I mean, you can't show him your mobile phone because he wouldn't know what it is. But I suppose it'd be a, to me, it would be an exploratory journey. In other words, it would not be uniting me, but it would be an exploratory journey. I'd like to know what makes this alien tick. What does he think of? Um, where does he come from? What's his home like? Does he also have a family? Does he also have a need of privacy? Or is he like a robot? I suppose I'd, I'd be, I'd be asking questions all the time. But what I'm saying, Speko, is questions themselves don't unite. Um, but there's a very sad tone to your question. And that is what I read here. Would uh, we treat one another like third-class citizens? That really is terribly serious. Um, let me tell you how I believe we treat people as third-class citizens. Let me just tell you. When I'm in somebody's presence, and, for example, they're on their phone all the time, all the time, then, Duncan, I don't feel like a first-class citizen. I don't know how you feel, Duncan, if you're sitting over a meal and someone's on their phone all the time. Unappreciated. You feel unappreciated. And, you know, many, many, many people spoke about the Mandela magic. What was it? What was it? Let me he tell gave you, you attention. That is right. That's exactly, that's exactly right. He listened to me. He didn't make any assumptions about me. He listened to the person, David Block. He gave me his undivided attention. And, you know, Duncan, if he had it one hour and he said it was one hour, He would not give me 50 minutes, neither would he give me one hour, 20 minutes, but he'd give me the allotted time. And that, to me, made me feel so special. So the question really is, you know, Speko asked, would we treat people as third-class citizens? 
I suppose we'd have to make our aliens feel at home, but I don't believe aliens would solve any of our problems. I think we've got enough already. And I think one of the key issues we really need to address is we need to make each other feel very special. Now, there are people who are very gifted at this, and I can think of no one better to start with than beloved um, Madigabe himself. Is That's why I just love visiting him. That's why I love still visiting George Pizos, who we've had on the show, is he listens to me. He listens to David Block. I don't know why he listens to me, but we chill together, we have tea together, we walk in his garden together. It's the most awesome experience. He listens to me. Now, if we take this back to life on Mars. Imagine going, now listen to this, and sending, say, a WhatsApp, Duncan, and you have to wait 15 minutes for the reply message. Would that give you a little bit of tension? <laughs> it would. <laughs> and that's one of the points, is you've got to realize that if you're communicating uh, to Mars, uh, I would expect that you'd have to wait about 10 to 15 minutes for your WhatsApp to be answered. So again, stress sets in. Anxiety sets in. But also, but also, you may not come back. For shorter missions, you will. But once you start thinking of travel to the stars, which will take, you know, hundreds of thousands of years at the speeds at which we travel at today in rockets, you're looking at living, dying on the spacecraft, your children taking over, then your grandchildren taking over. It's not the sort of thing that I would call fun. But with regard to life on Mars, there's going to certainly be people, I am sure, who by 2020 or 2030, around there, will be traveling to Mars. It's the sort of journey of which some people's dreams are made of, not mine. Why? Because I love touch. I love to have privacy. Uh, not all the time, but I love to be me. I love to think. I love to be myself. And social isolation, as a, again, I say, what happens if we socially isolated one from another for this vast period of time? However, having said that, there are certainly people who can cope with that. And I think that's the sort of person we're needing. We're needing people who are highly self-disciplined, who are highly controlled, and who simply do not get stressed. Now, what do I mean by simply do not get stressed? Do you know, Duncan, that one of the astronauts, was they had their heart rate monitored as the spacecraft was lifting off at Cape Canaveral. And this is true. His pulse rate, as the rocket left the Earth, his pulse rate was exactly the home, the same as when he was chilling, watching television with, the wife, with his wife in the lounge. How's that for zero stress? It's remarkable. I imagine, I repeat, the pulse rate of the astronaut uh, upon liftoff was the same as the pulse rate when he was chilling with his wife watching television. That is the kind of person one then needs. If you want to send a human being to the planet Mars, if you want to send a human being, say, to Hale Crater, if you want to send a human being to taste uh, some of the subterranean uh, salty water which has been discovered on Mars, if you want to send someone there, you need someone who is almost mentally trained like a robot. Now, of course, the caveat is this. What happens if things go wrong? Meaning, what happens if you need a psychologist? 
What happens if you need a psychiatrist? What happens in the unlikely scenario that you suddenly become claustrophobic? Because you might not suffer from claustrophobia at all now, but Duncan, if you're in, a, in isolated for a period of a year to two to three years, maybe you'll become very claustrophobic. That's true. But I, I, just to add on that, I think a person needs to be highly composed, have a oh, lot of composure running in them. That's just beautiful. I think that Sarah is, you know, that is the sign of the sort of the, the character of the sort of person we're looking for is when a crisis strikes and something happens on that spacecraft, you retain your composure. Now, very, very few people are able to do this in crisis mode. There are some people who can really retain their composure, but I really haven't read of, you know, I'm not going to announce this on air, but I even remember Advocate George Bezos telling me of some perhaps tenser moments uh, that he encountered um, with Nelson Mandela. But I don't want to go down that. That's not for me to do. But the point that I'm saying is all of us can lose or nearly lose our cool from time to time. Of course, uh, Mandela was a person of a tremendous composure. And that is the sort of person we are looking for here to actually start traveling. But how does one actually prepare for a one-way trip to Mars? Well, I think the the... The, the vital ingredient is mental preparation. I don't see it as a financial problem at all. I see it as a problem of what does it take to be an astronaut? Mental composure, the, the ability to cope under stress, the ability to be free, um, to be isolated. And, you know, um, there's some thoughts coming up here, possibly taking out life insurance. Well, I wouldn't rate that as terribly high. <laughs> you have to be as little, as little as possible. Well, I'm not sure about that either. You might be some of the overweight scenario. But as I wrap this up today, I would say this. Martin Luther King Jr. had a dream. He had a dream, he had a vision, he wanted to unite people, and he did. Now, some of you might have a dream listening to this podcast today or this live feed. Your dream might be to be one of those selected by NASA to go to the planet Mars. Well, all I can say in conclusion is that if you have that dream, live it out. Be part of the dream. But in part of the dream, you need to be composed. If you're a person who never loses the, your cool, if you're a person who copes under stress, if you're a person who thrives on challenge, if you're a person who can endure the utmost of challenges, never, never feeling isolated, you are born to travel to the planet Mars. It's time for a WeChat workout. WeChat. Go, go to the Cliff Central account. Tap connect. Then message to show. Cliff Central Revolution. I've got something important to tell you. Cliffcentral.com. This is Cliffcentral.com.